prominent Italian nose. Why are you so self-conscious about it? And, and on the day of all days, I get back from New York, I get this big job with the guys out there. I think we should be celebrating. Lucky. And I know what you're gonna say next, huh? I roll my S's. I talk for me. Is there anything else we can possibly pile on here? Welcome to Lease FM. Today on the show, Chicago filmmaker Giancarlo Iannata. Um, please. <laughs> can we get the name right can before we? we start the interview? <laughs> Rewind. All right. Well, here. Okay, quickly. It's either you could do Giancarlo Iannotta, Iannotta, which is the correct Italian way, but look, for Americans, you know, for the sake, let's just say Giancarlo Iannotta. Iannotta? <laughs> the American really? way. Iannotta, yeah. It's not like as beautiful. Like Sayonara, but Iannotta. Iannotta, correct. But I want teach me how to say the other one. Giancarlo Giannotta. Like gnocchi. Giannotta. Yeah, it, the, Which the is I a theme is a, in the movie. It's a yeah, it's okay. a yeah, yeah. yeah okay, okay. <laughs> Giancarlo Giannotta. Hey, Was that brava. it? Si, si. Ah, molto si, bene. Si. Okay, molto Piacere. bene. But we've already met. Ravioli. It's nice to meet you. Oh, okay. Oh, ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Giancarlo, I met... Uh, last week when he was on the Steve Cochran show at WGN Radio, um, and he was promoting his new feature film, his first feature film, My Country, um, and it was immediately appealing to me. I Right when I met him, I knew I had to get him on the podcast because in this film he combines my love for film with my love for travel and a really great writing, as I was to find out when I watched the movie last night with my dad. Um, beautiful, sweeping shots. I mean, it just, it has it all. And and there's a Chicago tie-in. Um, so, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I can't thank you enough. I'm already blushing. Can I quote you on the DVD? <laughs> yeah, of course. Do they I'm even like, have DVD no now? Can right I quote exactly. you on the MP4? Yes. Thank you so much. It's, uh, last, it's still, I, I still can't even put my wrap my hand around it, how well the interview seemed to go with Steve and um, you know, that's, those are the words you want to hear, you know, come back anytime. And who would have thought I'd be here a week later back in WGN studios doing this? Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. And it's really nice to have you as my first feature film guest. I mean, I had Amy Guth on and she's definitely done lots of film stuff, but you're an actor, you're a writer, you're, did you edit this too? Editor, co-editor. Produce everything. Producer. Um, wow. I feel like today you really you really got to know a little bit about everything. Yes. And I originally wanted to produce, so I took producing classes at Columbia College. And then I just I become so attached to these stories. A lot of my movies, which you've seen, the short films are all based on uh, friends and family experiences and... Uh, I really thought, hey, you know, I, I, if I want to get my name out there, I got to be a director. And um, and now I'm an actor in the movie, which is crazy to say. But luckily, so far, people are enjoying the performance. So Totally. Actor, producer, writer, director. Wow. The Renaissance man. The Rena- Elmhurst Renaissance Elmhurst man. Elmhurst. <laughs> trying, to, trying to represent E-Town. <laughs> hey, for, that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, your past. You grew up in Elmhurst and... Went to high school at, what, York? or I was born here in the city. Okay. Um, I guess I spent the first few years here in Lincoln Park, and then, like most, we flew out to the suburbs in oh, the yeah. late 90s, and we moved to Elmhurst. And, yeah, so grew up out there, grade school, high school, go Broncos, Montini High School. Oh, there you go. And I ended up going to—I was always a music guy, so I— 
from an early age, remember listening to Beatles cassettes when I was a kid down here in Lincoln Park um, and immediately, uh, you know, grew attached to, to the, the, the oldies, I guess now they're called. And, and then slowly and surely got into my teenage years, into my punk and ska um, years. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, just, just music initially. And then I went to Columbia College where I had a bunch of filmmaker roommates and got interested in movies and and I'm here today, so wow. I'm making those. So awesome. Um, okay, so a couple things. What's your favorite Beatles album? I think I'm a Revolver guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's um, it's right in the middle, yeah. right between the early Beatles and the nice suits yeah. and like the the cookie cutter image, and, and then the into that crate. Yeah, into the psychedelic image. Drunk, but, yeah. Um, and George Harrison had, I think, had a couple of songs on there, and he's just my favorite. He's, oh yeah. He's, he's just every not only just the music. And all the philanthropy, but the films. He was a film producer. Yeah. He literally was was the one who got um, Life of Brian made. Monty Python. That's right. You know, oh classic. God, what a good movie. That um, was. Oh God, we could do a whole podcast on uh, George. <laughs> <I'm> so down. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Okay, and then what was my other question? Um, so you were yeah, talking m- about music and film. And oh, then- your roommates are they still doing film stuff? I don't think so. Um, I know one of my good buddies, Dan, is in New York now. I think he got his real estate license. Um, I haven't seen him in a while. I'm hoping to catch up with Dan. Uh, but yeah, no, it, 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 most of them have gone to L.A. now. Okay. And I'm, I'm really excited to get to see them again after living in Italy. I've lived, lived in Italy for two years, about two and a half years. And uh, we're going to L.A. in, in uh, a month to show the premiere of the film out there. That's awesome. Where, um, whereabouts? It's in this beautiful neighborhood called Los Files. It's a vintage old Spanish neighborhood. Yep, been there. And uh, the theater we're playing at is just, it's like straight out of like La La Land. It's got the beautiful marquee. Oh, and, you awesome. Know, it's called the Los Files Theater on July 13th. Cool. And uh, tickets are open to everybody. So That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That yeah. is That must be, that's going to be really cool to like be like, yeah, it premiered it in LA. Because, you yeah. know, like Chicago was great, but. That's like yeah. I mean, I'm I'm so excited. We already sold out our premiere on June 21st at Rosemont, and wow, um, that's a big theater too. 270 seats. Oh my god! And I just went there yesterday, and it is a big screen. Oh, my this god. Is, your face is gonna be huge. This is like <laughs> almost like the IMAX. You know, I mean, wow. it is a ginormous that's screen. Awesome. It, at least to me when I walked in there. Right. But uh, compared to your laptop, which you've been compared to my la- right? yeah, which <laughs> this screen in front of us, exactly. which is like 12 <laughs> inches. Uh, but um. But yeah, no, getting to show it not only here with with all the friends and family, uh, Elmer's community, but getting to show it in L.A. And then I'm going to Italy at the end of July to show it in Castel San Vincenzo, the town where I uh, filmed the movie, my dad's town, my own father's town. Wow, that is so cool. Um, Do we need to tell people about the movie? Yeah, that's that's my next question. So just a little bit, because we want to get into the influences. um, And by the end, we will have kind of woven together your narrative um, behind all of this. But yeah, tell me, give me the elevator pitch. So my country is a um, it's an Italian-American comedy drama. It's about two brothers who've never met. One's Italian, one's American. I play the American and they meet in Rome. I go to find my long lost brother in Rome with my father's, my late father's urn. And we decide to ultimately take a road trip in the 1965 red Fiat 500 Cinquecento. So cute. Smaller than a smart car. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a beautiful little car. 
And we decided to take this drove trip from Rome to Molise, and it's all about us getting to know each other and, you know, will we make it or not to the town to, to spread our father's ashes, so. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that car is so iconic. Where did you get that car? Where and, and did you already did you always have the I mean I'm say, I'm telling you it's yeah. like the graduate level like you remember this car um, did you have like an image of that did you know you wanted it to be a Fiat Yes yeah, so when I got to Rome to so in the uh, late winter of 2014 I said I wanted I want to go to Italy and learn Italian because I only had spoke a little dialecto you know a little dialect and at home because my father was born in Italy in Molise. And I decided to say, I'm going to try it for three months, give it my shot. And it ended up being like a three-year <laughs> wonderful experience. Wow. But How did you do that? What kind of visa did you have? Well, quickly, during that time, I said, I want to drive this car. Uh-huh. The Fiat 500 was the quintessential Italian car during the 1950s and 60s in Italy. Smaller than a smart car, but somehow four people fit comfortably. It's really <laughs> weird. It's like a Um, a magic spell. Yeah. And so I hooked up with this guy. His name is Alvise de Giulio, and he's become like an uncle. I mean, he's become such a close friend. Found him online randomly. Hey, I'd love to drive his car. It's my birthday. He's like, yeah, come on out, blah, blah, blah. I give you the red one, you know. And we ended up striking up a friendship. And a week later, he calls me back to be a tour guide to help him you know, drive the car and and bring the tourists all around Rome. And um yeah so that's kind of where the idea of the car came into everything yeah and i said i if i do this movie i gotta have the, the car right because yep. most people who want to oh. see a movie are like girls in cars right right <laughs> and blowing things up yeah if i can get one of those things in there i've got the car i think it'll bring it's, some more interest into oh it's the movie, so good so. um how did the your brother actor what's his name his name is Antonio Palumbo. How the hell did he fit in that car? Because he's tall. He is tall, yeah. He's um, like six foot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to his credit, he was very patient with me. You yeah. know, first time feature film director. He's also a teacher and a director himself in Rome. And re- it was definitely a lot of convincing to say, man, I, we're almost there. We're going to get it. You know, I, I, I give him credit for his patience. Yeah. And there's a scene when we get to Molise, we see this Benvenuto in Molise. Welcome to Molise. We finally made it. And he, of course, stands up and he's shouting, you know, ciao ragazzi, siamo arrivati, we've arrived in Molise. You know, and he's got <laughs> to stand up in the car and it's this whole thing. But um yeah, to his credit, uh, it, it it did go surprisingly smooth driving the car. Good. And then there's a hundred other things, stories I can get into about oh, sure. the, the the bumps uh, and detours, like I said on the poster. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you you mentioned it quickly about the visa. I really, I actually have a story that I went here across the street to the Italian consulate to try to get the visa. That's across the street from here. I'm I'm almost positive. Yes, it's it's right in this area here. That's so funny. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. There's one in New York, and there's a few around the yeah. country. But the, so I've got the the counter right here. I'm gonna go in. I got my hundred fifty bucks. I'm gonna get my visa. I'm gonna walk oh, out no. of there, and I get there, and it's like the most like self emasculating experience mm-hmm. I've ever had. You know, uh, we don't give this visa to just anybody. You no. know. Oh, no. You know, I know you have a little money in the bank, but, you know, blah, 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 young people. And there's like a recession going on in Italy. Right. So looking back at it, I kind of understand why they weren't so. I was just walked in there like, I'm going to do yeah, it. I'm like going to go to Italy. A glimmer in your eye. 
But uh, I ended up going there without anything. Um, wow. So and but because my father is an Italian uh, citizen, mm-hmm. I was able to get a resident visa, oh, which I have good. now, and I'm on the track to get citizenship. Good. But it wasn't after many many visits to the like the comune, like the city hall, right? The immigration, the questura, and uh, I credit my family here and in the states who had to go back and forth to the consulate, Man. stamp documents, oh, you know, God. the team. Oh, the bureaucracy. I never hear that word, but again, but. Right. Uh, <laughs> Italy is wonderful. I love Italy, but you're right. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's hard to get <laughs> yeah. it's hard to get something done in, in the timely manner that you like. But right. um, you know, it's it's all part of the experience. Exactly. Yeah, and it was worth it. Um, I would say. And okay, so let's start talking about these influences because I know you've got a list of five. And it, let's first of all, was it hard for you to narrow it down to five? As think, somebody yeah. that's kind of like a musician and. A, yeah, and you know what? I'm looking at this list, and it's probably like not my. <laughs> I, maybe it's I, maybe it's not exactly the. It, it, there are five things that are really that have shaped me. My my criteria was, it needed to have the ten year. You know, it, it had to be something in my life over ten years. Good, old. I like that. So um, my first thing that I wrote down is music. Obviously, like I was saying about listening to the Beatles when I was a kid. You know, picking up that guitar and you know wanting to be, you know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney and. Um, and but then I really, you know, I, I when I got into this punk ska, you know, DIY mindset, uh, late 90s or 2000s, my cousin gave me a copy of Green Day's Dookie. <laughs> and so for the early part of my adolescence, I wanted to be, you know, like Billy Joe Armstrong, oh, you know, sure. on stage rocking that. out. Yep. And my first punk show was was Green Day. Um and but the really what I ended up getting from from punk it was a natural pro- progression into ska music and if people don't know what ska music is it's a music that was influenced by actually no it came before reggae so it, the the comparison is easily to reggae so you know the dancey you know island music it got really popular in England um, in the 70s and 80s and then in the 90s there was kind of this ska punk movement. Um, and the band that I wrote on here is called Slapstick, and they were a Chicago band that were only around for a couple of years, and they ended up forming, the success of Slapstick is really after when they formed bands like Alkaline Trio and the Lawrence Arms. Oh, yeah. Um, the Smoking Popes, I think. Uh, but um, this band really got me through, I think, high school. Um, I, I definitely <laughs> would, would, would have rather been out of school playing my guitar, you know. Um, I was a pretty good student, but, you know, I really, I never, like most kids, you don't want to go to school, you know. I see. I loved school. You I did? was like a total <laughs> nerd, brown noser, teacher's pet. Oh, good for you. For yeah, it. I shouldn't I speak know. for everybody then. But. No, no, but it's it's true. And like, especially a lot of creatives. I mean, if you, you know, if you know that you shine in, you know, music making or filmmaking, like what the hell do you have to go to school for? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And, um. I, I think I really appreciate it now, the education I got. I, I Again, I, I went to Catholic school for 12 years, so... Oh, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't easy every day right. with the nuns, but uh, I think now looking back on it, I think the education I got was just just really great, and uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. You totally. Know? Getting to go through that. And that's, I think, questioning anything, you know, questioning school, questioning authority, questioning religion was all part of this punk value that I... Right. These values that I really... Um, that I really, you know, I, I wanted to learn about. I wanted to know about. And um, this song that I picked is, I think, the quintessential song of probably my Scott Punk years. Okay, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, Slapstick um, 
again this this band they 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 were they were popular in their time but again after i think they really got this cult following and this song was written it was it was they used to play it all the time but it wasn't recorded until after they broke up oh and, interesting and it's really i always i'm a nostalgic guy like i said i'm an old soul i get called that all the time and this song to me is the perfect mix of nostalgia and um just um Really, the the punk and the ska, the mix of the two genres that I've always loved. And it's called There's a Metalhead in the Parking Lot. <laughs> okay, I love it. Okay, let's hear a little bit of it. Nostalgia. I really held on to that word from when you were just talking. Um, and I feel like this movie is quite nostalgic. Like it could have been, I mean, except for there there are some parts with technology with like Skyping your girlfriend back in the States. Mm-hmm. But besides that, it is really like, it's a very, he, he doesn't call the brother before he shows up in Rome. It's a very like, it could have been, it could have happened in the 50s. You know, it's like really organic. Yeah, feeling. definitely, definitely. Um, um, so do you, even though he looks them up on Facebook. Right, that's true. Okay, okay. <laughs> but good, good point, point, though. Yeah, really good point. So yeah. w- how much of, of your filmmaking would you say comes from this nostalgia? Do you, do, you, do you strive for the traditional, you know, filmmaking values, or do you want to break through that in some way, or is it a mixture? Well, the first thing, I mean, the idea, the reason I wanted to be a storyteller, have, you know, what you could trace back to listening to my aunts and uncles, my my father, my grandparents recounting stories about the immigration from Molise to Italy, growing up after the war, even during the war. Um, and so anything, yeah, anything nostalgic, I think, always comes back from that and how just entertained I was over the years about these stories. And I wanted to include something like that. And we actually got to shoot with a lot of the people in Molise who were my grandfather's friends. Oh, cool. And, you know, my father's, uh, you know, compagno di scuola, you know, and the right. uh, school classmates yeah. and my uncles. And um, a lot of them are in this this great scene when we get to the, the town and the bar and they're playing scopa and cards. Yeah, that's a great scene. So, yeah, I always uh, was drawn to that aspect of, um, of storytelling. And then was there something else? Um... No, I think uh, your use of technology, I mean, I guess you use it to accomplish certain things. Like he looks him up on Facebook. Okay, he's a real person. Like, and you don't let it really intrude any further. Tell me a little bit about why. Oh, okay. Like they don't really use mm-hmm, mm-hmm. phones much on the road trip. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, we, I was so busy maybe thinking about other stuff during the shooting. I didn't uh, think about getting my phone out, but... Um, but yeah, good point. So again, my character, his goal is after his is this really heartbreaking scene where his father essentially passes away in front of him, and uh, we're very early on in the movie, and he decides to take his urn kind of on his own initiative. I mean, the father says, "This is your brother. I never told you about him, a father, a son that I fathered uh, during the Italian army." And lucky, my character decides again is on his own initiative to head off and try to find him. Um, and you're right. Maybe if 
thinking about it now, it, it would probably make more sense to kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to call him. I'm going to look him up maybe, but I don't know. Maybe his character is so pure, maybe in a sense that um, he doesn't maybe want to hear a no, yeah. you know, like, oh. and, and when he gets to Italy, he sees immediately that this brother is, you know, what's he here for? You know, who is this young kid? Is he here for money? Does he want something from me? You know, I was adopted. I don't know anything about Vincenzo, as we learn early, uh, later on. And so, and I don't like, I, you know, when I, when I'm, I still, again, maybe it's a, the nostalgia thing, the 90s. I hate when, like, somebody pulls out their phone in a movie. It, like, I don't know, something about it totally. immediately, unless it's done right, it just kind of throws me out of the movie. Yeah. There is this Skyping, like, I Skype back with my girlfriend. I wanted to always connect Chicago right. and, and that relationship back in the movie. But um, I think maybe staying away as much as I can from technology, just getting to the meat of the story yeah. and the heart of it. I it's very effective. I love it. Keep people more in, 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 you know, in, invested. Right. Totally. Um, okay, cool. So music, huge thing. I love the music in the, in the film. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later on. Oh, or... I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, all the credit goes to Patrick McCormick, who was my friend from Columbia College. Another buddy who was you know, started in film and music and pushed me into making movies uh, my sophomore year of college when I switched my major from music oh. to uh, yeah yeah that, that was, uh, was that like a mental switch too like you were like all right this is like I'm kind of done with the it, music thing yeah it was um it, I knew it had to be done I mean I talked to my parents about it and it was a little bit like well. You know you like movies, but what do you know about making movies? I mean, always encouraging, you know, never would ever say no, not, you know, to my dreams and passions. But it was definitely okay, so what's the plan? And I kind of sat down and said, well, the goal is to make my a feature film. And I think based on all the stories, you know, growing up in this big Italian family, I think it'd be, you know, down the road I'll be able to make something that people like. And they were super supportive, uh, Pam and Ernie out in Elmhurst, my mom <laughs> and dad. Out. Shout out. But um, Patrick um, has been my composer since my first short film, the one that isn't under my bed like most of them, the one yeah. that I wanted to show to people and mm -hmm. had some success, My Big Red Purse. And this was a movie uh, briefly that was based on the childhood memory of my mother's, and we reenacted kind of a hybrid documentary fiction and reenacted it, her story um, with kids yep. in the 1960s. I loved it. Yeah, you saw yeah, it? Yeah, I oh, watched good. it last night. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, that's kind of like the, the sister movie to this film, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but that movie had some, went to South by Southwest and a bunch of film, it's like your first film out of the gate. My first short film has yeah. like a bunch of success, which is crazy to think back on right now. But Patrick um, wrote a beautiful music piece for that. And ever since that movie, he, I immediately call him whenever I have an idea. He's always on board, and uh, Patrick was he. I mean, he. I don't know. He contributed. He did above and beyond. Maybe twenty plus songs for this film. Wow. I think I used maybe twelve, but. Um, and then we had our our sound editor and mixer. His name is Dan Precision, and he's a he's a punk rocker. Dan was uh, is the guitar player of a very prominent punk band called Eighty Eight Fingers Louie. And he, when I told him, you know, I'm, I'm looking for somebody, he had never mixed a movie um, his first time mixing a feature film, especially editing the sound effects. And he was on board from the beginning. And Dan also contributed a lot of beautiful little nice melodies. Like when I have my urn at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. there's this really triumphant scene. Um, when I spread the ashes. No, no spoilers, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to spread the ashes <laughs> you know that at one point. that's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, Dan really also added a beautiful layer of music 
sometimes with Patrick's score and sometimes on his own, I would come in and say, hey, man, I tried something. You like it? I'm like, you know, man, I don't know. I wasn't sure about music here. And then when he played it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Got to do it. That's good. Shout out to Dan and Patrick um, who truly added such a music really – I've always felt I've had a good knack for music, you know, playing in bands. Yeah. And we, oh, we got to get to my band later. Right. We didn't even mention yes. that yet. But um, having a musical background has helped me tremendously, um, putting images and music together, editing especially. And uh, those two guys really were just just an incredible, just just great collaborators um, on my country. And I can't thank them enough. Yeah, they did a great job. Um, okay, moving on. Number two. Yeah. What do we got? Oh, so we got to talk about film. So yes. we've talked about you know how I got into film and uh, why I wanted to make movies. But I, I guess when Netflix just started getting the streaming was the fe- the feature just came out in like '08, like late '07, and there were a, f- a bunch of movies. No filmmaker wanted to put their film online ten years ago. It's like strange to say, right? But there's no, a, it's true. Yeah, there's a um, the first filmmaker who's another inspiration is Edward Burns. And he's a New York filmmaker. He was in Saving Private Ryan, but he's also a writer-director. And he was the first one to put his movie on iTunes. And he tells stories about how when he was going around interviewing for this, you know, why would you want to put your film on the Internet? Why, do you want to, why, you know, why don't you go in theaters and put your movie in there? Right. And then he said, well, you know, the movies aren't making as much money as they could maybe online. We're going to try this experiment. And, of course, today, was, could you imagine ago? not putting oh a film online? Oh, my God. No. Ten, that's in 07, he put that movie oh. up. Ten years ago. So these uh, two filmmakers that I've put down, um, their films were featured on Netflix, and they were some of the first ones to see that this trend was going to come where we're going to probably just put movies online, and we're going to most likely not have them in a theater because it's so expensive to get them there and right. getting people in the seats and all the costs that go into making, uh, you know, exhibiting a film. And the first movie that I saw was from a Chicago filmmaker named Joe Swanberg. And who is Joe Swanberg? In the mid-2000s, um, Joe made this film. He, he made two films before it, but there was this one called Hannah Takes the Stairs. And it was his first film, which was part of this mumblecore movement. And I'll explain what that is. Um, it's essentially kind of very low budget, you know, again, kind of a friend's family production. And, like, SD cameras at the time. There wasn't even HD cameras, you know, 10 years ago. Basically, it's a bad comparison, but like the guys who made Blair Witch, kind of that style, not at all like that, but trying to get to a natural performance, um, believable dialogue without any celebrities, you know, with with people who are most likely non-professional actors who would become actors later. And it got dubbed the mumblecore movement because they're always kind of like talking like this, like Uh you can't hear what they're talking about. And... I remember watching this movie, Hannah Takes the Stairs, and I couldn't even get through it. I was like, this is like a home movie. I feel like I could have made this. And <laughs> the actress in the movie went on to, is, is gone on to good fame as Greta Gerwig. Okay. And um, sh- this was their first collaboration or maybe second collaboration. But um, I remember a really hard time getting through it. But then afterwards, I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And I rewatched it again like a couple months later. I'm like, no, this is actually really interesting. Like relationship kind of dramas at heart, but you know, splattered with a little comedy. Right. And um, the film is essentially about Greta navigating like three relationships um, during the course of a summer in Chicago. Okay. And she's a wreck, right? You know, it's yeah. her, you know, trying to you know cope with all these distresses of the relationship, the job, you know, work. 
And um, I said, who is this filmmaker? You know, and I, and I looked up the movie. And he's like, oh, my God, Joseph, his name's his James, you know, he's, he's from Chicago. Who is this guy? And then slowly and surely, I got into other quote-unquote mumblecore movies. Um, and the, the filmmaker that I want to spotlight, there are two brothers called the Duplass Brothers. Okay. And they, I guess their biggest film, um, their two biggest films were Cyrus and Jeff Who Lives at Home, which were, they're kind of celebrity more driven stories, but they made a film which was the inspiration for my country, the road trip uh, comedy drama from 2005 called The Puffy Chair. And these two brothers, one of them acts in the movie, made a film with just all the resources around them. Um... They got ten thousand dollars from their parents, uh, t- <laughs> like like me. <laughs> I have investors, but uh, you know, they they went to their parents. They got ten grand to make this film, and because Mark, the lead actor and the co-director, was in a band, they had a van, and they're like, "Well, how about we do a road trip movie? You know, we we've, yeah. we've got my girlfriend's place in Maine, and we can say that you know we could do a road trip from Maine to Atlanta, and they filmed this just just wonderful uh, road trip movie." called the puffy chair um that went on to sundance and you know like small acclaim maybe in the big picture but in the indie world it's it's really inspired a generation of filmmakers that you can get up make a movie with the camera that you have next to you and now even an iphone yeah um and with a little bit of money you can make a film that is seen by so many people and can be bought and sold and um, so this is a clip from the, the puffy chair, the start of their road trip. So it's about him, Josh and his girlfriend, Emily, who are in the beginning of the movie, you see right away that there, there's something going on with the relationship. They're not really in tune with each other. And this road trip may or may not kind of help bring the relationship back together. And this is him showing up with the boom box from, uh, what was that John Cusack movie? High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Or no, um, say anything. Say anything, of course. And this is their kind of tribute to that little scene. He's holding the little CD player up and convinces her to come on the road trip. Okay, cool. I'll have a little puffy listen. Chair. Puffy chair. What are you doing? You have my Peter Gabriel CD. No, I mean, what are you doing? I'm picking you up for a road trip, dude. What? Get in the car. What? I love you, and I want you to come with me. Really? Yes. I love you, too. I'm coming. Give me five minutes. Yeah! Awesome. Can't wait to watch that one in fall. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... Mumblecore. Would you define your any of your films that you've made as mumblecore, or do you think that was more well, of like a movie yeah. that's done? Done. Well, maybe because the cameras have gotten so better that you can't make a mumblecore film yeah. anymore. No, but I guess mumblecore got pigeonholed because um, the filmmakers ended up not preferring to use that term, and I know Joe especially, but um, basically because um, they got they got there was no plot essentially is what the criticism was. It's mm-hmm. just a couple of people talking in a kitchen, you know, and then a car and this and that. Right. And the, what is the, it was the too underlying? Real. Yeah. Is it too real? It's, is it more of a documentary? Is it just something shooting with your friends? Um, but no, there's really something there. There's something beautiful, poetic even about these movies. But um, I think the Duplass brothers, uh, they're maybe a little different that they immediately said, okay, we're going to have this road trip hook. It's going to be a relationship. We're going to hit these three points in the movie. 
and then we're going to have ultimately, you know, the conclusion, the climax, the conclusion. I think that's how I set out to make my country. I wanted to bring maybe not necessarily a mumblecore, you know, uh, way of to it, but I, I did maybe in a way with the cameras, you know, just, you know, I used kind of my, my 5D camera, the C100 camera, DSLR cameras, and I casted a lot of friends and family in the movie, um, you know, some professional actors, you know, especially the ones in Italy, and used just everything around me that I could, uh, my experiences in Italy, living there in Rome and the places I knew there that I know people could help me shoot it, you know, people could help me, uh, you know, get the locations. So I always, I wrote, you know, a 90-page script, and I knew it was going to hit these points in the movie, but we definitely improvised probably over 50% of the film. Wow. Yeah. Of the dialogue? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and really, I thought maybe it would be less than that just because I didn't expect maybe all the, you know, the bumps on, you know, in the road on the way shooting this movie. We really did the the real road trip from Rome to Molise with the car. Oh, cool. We took oh, the road wow. that the brothers took, you know, we did yeah. the real road trip. Um, and, Any car uh, troubles along the way? <laughs> every day, it seemed oh, like. Oh, my God. No, um, but, uh, yeah, no, but there was, yeah, we did, the, we got a flat tire about halfway through, Ugh. changing the flat tire. That's and then, of fun. course, like the They're very skinny little tires too. Super skinny, They're like bike tires. We there was one in the trunk <laughs> where we had to like stop shooting for the day. Had to bring it to the mechanic. Oh god! Luckily, he was a friend. And yeah, he fixed it up right away. And then the car, of course, on the very last day, the clutch went out, <gasps> and we had to we had to get it towed to the mechanic. So the literally the last shot of the last day in Italy. Did you get the shot before it? Yeah, it's in the movie. It's the one where we're driving and the the pizza with pineapple. We yeah, there's a scene. Yeah. The movie talked a lot about the differences between Italy and America, yeah. and I wanted to write about how the Italians have the pizza with Nutella, mm-hmm. which I've never heard about, a white pizza with the Nutella spread. Oh, yeah, that sounds so good right now. Oh, it's so good. But if you, <laughs> if I was telling you pizza with Nutella, you'd, what do you like, think? Like red, yeah, yeah, red, you know, red sauce. Right. And then we have the pizza with pineapple. Yeah, that's a great uh, scene. So, and then that shot in is like the, the very last shot of the movie, and then, you know, when we finish the dialogue, the... You know, the clutch went out. Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of, you know, at least we budgeted for some unpredictability. Yeah, but, um, that helps. But, yeah, um, no, I, I I wrote the film about a year in advance. And like I said on Steve Cochran's show, I, I think I got it out in a week. I had, I you know, did a treatment. I'm, you know, I'm the brother. He's going to go find the long-lost brother in Italy, going to bring the urn. And then we're going to hit this point with the car, and then we're going to get to Molise, meet all the relatives in Molise, and then we're going to have this scene climax on the mountain yeah. where they decide to spread the ashes. So, um, and then after some revisions, I, you know, I got it down to a pretty good point. And with my co-producers in Italy, they kind of helped me craft it's a few scenes right. and where we can make it better. Yeah. And uh, again, just everybody really pulled their weight. And um, helping me not only from, you know, getting the script made, but also the production and the, the post-production. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so <laughs> yeah. much. I mean. That could be an hour topic. Oh, yeah. Editing the movie. Absolutely. I can't imagine. Um, okay, number three. So it's not a band. It's not music. It's not a book or anything. I wrote down food. Okay. Because Love it. food That's a big has influence been a part everybody. of my life. Um uh, because you know, again, Italian family, but I should throw because my mom is from Joliet, and okay. I, I I do should because I'm there. We I, she just did a DNA test, so we're trying to figure out exactly where her family. Came. Right. She's it's a Churchill last name, so I know there's some British, okay, maybe some Norwegian, cool. you know, um, 
Swedish. We're, we're trying to figure that out. But um, no, I should definitely, I always go Italian because yeah, I mean, that's Giancarlo Yanotta is my name. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I say, oh, no, well. I'm, I'm English. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, food in both of my families has been, uh, from the beginning, a huge part of not only my life, but my filmmaking career. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Um, so, again, okay, so when you grow up in an Italian family, you know, there's always something pasta, you know, food in the house. You know, there's always wine on the table. You could say food and, you know, food and drink I could write down here. Yeah. Um, you know, no big deal. A little wine and seven up when you're 10 years old. I mean, <laughs> why not try it? Hey, you know, Giancarlo, my nonno Mix. Felice would do. We, we would call it the nonno Felice. He would, you know, the wine was so strong. They would make their own wine that they had to dilute it oh a little bit. Oh, my God. Bit. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, nonno Felice. But, um, you know... Uh, uh, then the gnocchi, I mean, from an early age, gnocchi was is and is still my favorite pasta. My dad and I were watching. There's a scene in the movie where there's gnocchi. Is it's like gnocchi day, right? It's the feast of the gnocchi, which I'll tell you about why. Yeah, you know, it's a real thing. It's oh my a, god! Yeah, it's a and feast of we the both gnocchi. looked at each other. We we're like, oh my, god, I want some gnocchi. <laughs> you filmed it beautifully. Thank you. And that was really like documentary, like yeah. you know, cinema verite. Yeah, Just totally. Like, I had to get my my cousins are uh, the brothers arrive in Molise to their destination, and uh, unexpectedly they meet the the um, the nephew of their father, mm-hmm. who's you know in his fifties or older, and the family is celebrating La Festa dei Gnocchi, the feast of the Gnocchi Day, which is a real uh, fe- feast in Molise. I, I can't remember what what town it's in. But um, I said, I got to have like a big pasta like that Godfather scene, everybody around the the table with the food. And um, I just couldn't believe how natural they were in that scene. Um, I can't wait for people to see that. It's my favorite scene in the movie. They weren't actors? No. (laughs) Those are my cousins and relatives. (laughs) Was that your first time kind of meeting them or had you known them forever? I've known it since I was... 12 the first time oh, I went wow, to Italy cool. yeah I mean could you imagine like going to your aunts and uncles and saying okay you got to say this you got to do that oh my god I mean, it's no. got to be natural it was great yeah that's yeah. one of my favorite scenes the yeah. lighting is beautiful too I mean you talk about you yeah lucked yeah out all on, like, outside the and uh beautiful truly um terrace and yeah yeah it, it just it really would be like going to your closest relative and saying okay you're gonna act in this movie hilarious <laughs> and to their credit i mean i can't thank them enough not only that and then they were helping in other scenes that they weren't in you know yeah you know um lending wow. a hand wherever they could but um that scene is maybe the pinnacle of everything maybe growing up in an italian family yeah. you know you, you get your food but you're gonna talk you know and everything you know your heart's on your sleeve you can't keep it a damn secret at all in these families. Everybody finds out about everything. Right. Um, but it's good. You, you never feel, you know, you always got someone to lean on. You've got a great support network. And uh, so I wrote down food and drink. And I don't know, maybe you've got a, a clip, the sound effect yeah, or something. Uh, definitely. I can send you the gnocchi scene. <laughs> there we go. Even though it's in Italian. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. Um, what's your favorite favorite meal then? What's your favorite, like, Italian? Of course, I love gnocchi. And then when I got to Rome... Um, they have a pasta there called the, um, it's the egg pasta. Why can't I think of it? It's called the carbonara. Ooh. And it maybe sounds, sounds a little weird, egg pasta, but it's more of a lightly kind of an egg sauce, mm-hmm. a, little, you know, a little yellow, and then they put bacon in it. Oh. They put uh, a little ham or bacon in it. I and, bet that's um, delicious. It's a Roman specialty, and it's that's maybe, maybe it's taking the place of gnocchi because I've had it here all my life. Right. Um, but in Italy, like the one thing they don't have is like spaghetti and meatballs. You're never going to have a pasta really? and meat together. It's always separate. 
Huh. Yeah, you'll never have that or raviolis and sausage or something. Interesting. Um, you'll always have it separately. Yeah. Then, which is the big uh, misconception. You're gonna go there and right. you know, get get spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. But, uh, and there's a, probably a few other items I'm forgetting that. Um, well, the pizzas are really different. I remember when I went to Italy, it was like, whoa. The pizzas are all like brick oven like we have here. Yeah. They're very thin. And I actually prefer the pizza we have here. Because yeah. Because we've Americanized it. We've we've the doppietta, the double, right. you know, like oh, the yeah. Lumelnatis. Can't go wrong. Shout oh out to Lumelnatis and Eduardo's. <laughs> but um, I am a thin, cr- a thin crust, I think, at the end of the day mm-hmm. uh, is my favorite. And the way we do it here um, is, is my favorite. And shout out to Mama Maria's in Elmhurst. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Oof, my favorite. I've been to, is there a pizza palace or something out there? In Elmhurst? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I think they closed down. <laughs> oh, cool. There you go. I haven't clearly no, no, haven't no. Shout this. out to Pizza Palace. But, uh, <laughs> Mama um, Maria's, um, Mama Maria's off of York Road. PSA. Gillette Road is, is, the, is the quintessential Elmhurst pizza. <laughs> no Nancy's, guys. None of this Rosati's. I mean, oh, no. But um, um, I'll give a little shout out to Paisans yeah. and Brookfield yeah, 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 while yeah, we're at Yeah, give the Paisans, <laughs> the Sicilians. Some, right. Uh, some love. Some shout out. Okay, uh, so love that food, and and it is a big thing in the movie. I mean, you have one of the one of my favorite scenes was when he was invited over to his brother and wife's house, and they have a meal together. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's another yeah. one that's kind of like more pasta. Yeah, more <laughs> pasta. But but it's the camaraderie. The you know it's their kind of first real encounter, um, and yeah. The, I love I love the wife. She's like probably my favorite yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely. Um, we we wanted between her and Luck. We wanted to have a really strong. Immediately, you love her. She's great because yeah. Francesco, the older brothers, you know, we learned about his character. You know, down Kinda a sleazy. little on. Yeah. And um, oh, excuse me, I got to hit this cough button. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Is it on? Oh yeah, yeah I got it. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> But uh, the actress who plays Anna is Rosella Cialotti, just a wonderful, beautiful actress um, from Naples. And again, we needed, uh, we needed like the heart of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's pregnant. Yeah. And they're just starting this family and there's some trouble in the relationship. And I actually wrote a scene for the two of them that wasn't originally written. Mm-hmm. And because I wanted them, to, you know, I, I first I wanted to get off screen because I'm in the movie. I'm in every damn scene. Yeah. Uh, but I needed a scene where I'm not in it to just to show their relationship, what they're going through, that right. kind of sets up both their characters. And really the, the secret to probably 50%, maybe even more of a good movie is just good actors. Yeah. And I was, when I saw both of them come in for the audition, um, they just, I knew immediately I wouldn't have to give too much direction. They could tell the characters right away. They could get a pretty good, you know, um, a pretty good idea of who they were. With my guidance, you know, we got it where I wanted it. Yeah. And uh, credit to the two of them because um, I guess the three of us are the main actors and right. Antonio and Rosella really, really knocked it out of the park. How did it go auditioning? I never, I didn't even really think about how was the process of finding these Italian actors? Yeah, so getting to Italy. So in May of uh, 2016, I got to Italy end of May and we started casting as soon as I got my feet planted. You know, I had moved back from living there two years, came back, I wrote the script here in Chicago early 2016, I finessed the script, came here to uh, Italy in May of 2016 and my credit to my co-producers who set up uh, auditions, they're mainly theater actors and producers. 
and they got a number of people to come and um, we sent the scene that scene actually the one between yeah. the two of them in the kitchen and then one in the car we had to get the one where I'm learning the drive stick right. shift and uh, credit to them for uh, they they found uh, help me you know found Rosella and then through a friend I was able to find uh, Antonio but uh, the casting process was great getting to I mean after not speaking Italian Getting to direct actors in Italian was a dream come true for me. Yeah, tell me about that. That must have been, was it challenging? Or? Yeah. Um, you know, I, people compliment my Italian. I mean, I, I think it's definitely, I can, it's better than getting by Italian. Yeah. But uh, to direct an actor an a- or actress, there's got to be confidence there. And um, they definitely would help me along the way. I mean, you know, I, I kept saying, uh, <laughs> you know, action is uh, azione. Uh-huh. And with my rolling of the S's, you know, my big Italian tongue, uh, I would say azione. <laughs> <laughs> Achone, Achone on set, you know. <laughs> like, why don't you just say action? You could just say it in. Like, no, I want. We wanna. understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to say that. So they'd always make fun of me for saying yeah. Achone, but um, yeah, no, truly. Again, I was so fortunate first to make this movie, and then getting the trust. This American guy coming to Italy to make a movie yeah. on their land. Um, it took a lot of patience and credit on their part. Did you get a hard time from anyone ever for? I, I think the main thing was just that because we worked so hard. I yeah. mean, um, I I do tend to want to do a lot of takes. And because I was acting in the movie, I didn't want to go back to Chicago with uh, footage that I wasn't happy with. Yeah. So I would do extra two or three or right. seven takes. Yeah. I, I really don't think I was that overly, you know, you'd have to ask the crew about that. Yeah. Um, too, you know, nitpicky. But um, no, I, I, I think that, um, I, I think, you know, you can't you can't be bad you know, when you, when you're directing yourself you can't not do another take just because you know you're the actor you, right. you got to do another take and you know hopefully it's, you get it ultimately yeah. um, actually Ben Affleck had a good you know he's a great director now he's made so many good films now after his you know acting career and um, or even during his actor career and he said you know you got to you know just get your shots I mean you're you're not holding you know you're holding people up but. You know, that's your job. You got to make sure, yeah, you got your footage and you're not having to reshoot anything. Because so that was that's good the worst. Did you have to? You didn't have to go back and reshoot. Not one scene. Oh my! Very, can you imagine? Very fortunate. Oh, very fortunate. That would have um, been really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm thinking right now. Um, no, nothing. No, we we put some dialogue in there. You know that mm-hmm. uh, we needed that was missing. But luckily, with the editing, we were able to to finesse it uh, based on feedback and yeah. get it right where we wanted it. Cool. So, that is because I know the Duplass brothers at Puffy Chair. I mean, there must be six scenes on the on the DVD that are uh, extra scenes, or yeah. you know, their their first scene. I remember that they reshot, so the opening scene. But uh, luckily, so good. So good. Far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Number four. Are we on number four? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I put down weight. Okay. So I guess food, you got to go with weight. So yeah. um, why did I say that? So I was uh, uh, a little porker. Uh-huh. As my <laughs> That's <laughs> what okay. What my cousin say? I was a chubby kid. I was a fat kid. Um, I had a great, like, from, like, zero to ten years old. And growing up in this Italian family, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of self-control. Yeah. And I've always struggled with my weight, and I would even probably say to this day I still have, like, a fat kid mentality, even though you probably wouldn't know it. Not that I'm looking for a compliment, but I've lost a considerable amount of weight. And in high school, um, that was my worst. I mean, I was, you know, over 200 pounds and um, not very confident in myself. 
and uh, that's why I played in a ska band. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they're playing ska bands, heavy kits. No, they don't, <laughs> but uh, they do. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, so Wait has always been in the back of my mind, uh-huh. and my first screenplay that I wrote that hasn't been produced yet was about a kid um, who is struggling with a weight issue. And uh, and I've never really seen a movie. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make that movie or I'll tie it into something. I've never yeah. really seen a movie that I can think of off the top of my head, like a kid getting on the scale, you know. And yeah, it'd be interesting to try. The to only like, thing I think of is like Little Miss Sunshine, but she doesn't really have any moments. Which was she... a inf- influence in the movie, oh, the road yeah. trip, the road Wait, trip totally. part. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that is a really good point too. Actually, yeah, yeah. Huh. When you look at her, she's not. As she's not. Ha- yeah, right. I mean, yeah. A little fluffy. Yeah. Oh, she's so good in that. Yeah. Um, But um, interesting. So when did you lose? When did you lose the weight? Or has it been a constant? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Process. Definitely has gotten better. But uh, Italy definitely helped. Uh, I believe it or not, going to Italy helped me lose a lot of weight. But um, I finished college. I was heavy about six years ago, and I finished in LA. Did a wonderful class through Columbia College, where I graduated called Semester in L.A., and mm-hmm. we were right off of the Paramount lot at Rally Studios. Cool. Uh, where they filmed Criminal Minds oh and um, the one with the guy, uh, Castle, he's the writer, mm-hmm. and Private Practice. So we got to shoot it on a real Hollywood lot. Wow. And we would go there every day for classes. We'd have speakers, and um, we would do assignments. And I started losing weight there. I was out of my comfort zone. I'd never been to L.A. I was there for um, you know a couple of months. And um, that's where I initially started. You know, I didn't have my mom's cooking in the kitchen. I had to make all my own food, of course. And um, that's when I first lost my, you know, my first uh, little chunk. And then little by little, I said, you know, I, I want to be more confident and happy. And um, through the last five years, um, I've really tried to watch it. And then going to Italy, I mean, it's completely <laughs> transformed me. Yeah. People call totally. me the Roman. Um, wow. You know, I got the beard now. Yeah. The beard. And mm-hmm. Usually in the summer, I don't know that I usually have a tan. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Italy is how I lost weight is that the meals are spaced out so much. So, you know, you're eating lunch at one o'clock. Yeah. And you're not getting everything on a plate like we do at, like, Thanksgiving. You know, right. you're getting your pasta first. Yep. Then you go to your little salad, and then you go to your meat, right? Then you got to drink it down with a limoncello, mm-hmm. you know? Wine at lunch. Like, why not? <laughs> so spacing out the meals has helped tremendously, um, and I've tried to just kind of stick with that, you know, not eating at, like, 530. <laughs> yeah. Getting hungry at, you know, 10 o'clock. Right. Later in the night. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's definitely been something, uh, in the back of my mind. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of weaved my way and it's, we, it's weaved its way into my movies and different totally. things. So that's really cool. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Unexpected, but mm-hmm. I mean, really body image is huge and, and in, in the film industry, really, it's like, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know I'm not going to have like that six pack, you know, that you, you go to the gym and you see these people and just like, oh man, like one day I'd love to like be in that guy's right. shoes, like be able to lift that like yeah. 200 pound dumbbell. Yeah. But, um, no, maybe just getting older too, you get maybe a little more comfortable mm-hmm. and looking back when I was in, you know, 16 and 17, I was like, I wish I could tell myself now like, man, it's like, it's still great. You're, you know, you're going through changes and you're yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. And maybe even... 50 years from now, six, 40 years from now, I'll probably say the same thing. You know? Exactly. But, um, you know, what can I say? 
that's that's cool i really that's uh an influence right right it is you i know? mean every day looking in the mirror it's like yeah 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 totally and number five number five all right you're gonna think i'm being like a, i don't know what's the right word like a like a not a brown noser but like i'm sucking up but right. i wrote wgn down as wow my oh i know because again it had to meet like the 10-year threshold you know yeah. it had to be something threshold that was like something influenced me from an early age yes and truly I mean it probably started with the Cubs games you know listening to Cub games um, on the radio mm-hmm. Harry Carey and then Ron Santo um, you know going to the games and seeing all the TV guys and uh, and then later on I'd get to play with my band on WGN I mean WGN if you grew up in the city of Chicago in the suburbs it just it's always there yeah radio TV print um, and the show and the host that really has influenced me the most is Nick DiGiulio. Yep. Um, I can remember being 10 years old, my mom listening to him at late at night and I said, who is this guy? He sounds like a kid. He's like, <laughs> no, he's an adult. Like, you know, he's <laughs> a man child. No, but, uh, Nick D. Um, and then, so right after that, after I I was listening to his show and I actually, when I was a kid called in on the radio oh, with my, my guitar, God. he heard me strumming my guitar. Wow. And he said, are you playing a guitar, man? You're like, how old are you? You know, I'm John yeah. Carlo from Elmhurst. You know, I remember calling in. It was like 2000, maybe 2001. And he was calling about, you know, your favorite shows on TV. And I go, oh, I love Jay Leno. Jay Leno's my favorite. <laughs> He's like, oh, boy. You know? oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, but um, I called in and I played Smoke on the Water. Cool. For Nick D. And uh, ever since then, I've just listened to his show and I've gotten so much inspiration. He's so passionate. When he latches on to a movie or a book or a guest, you share his passion. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, um, when two years ago he went through this, you know, he got sober, mm-hmm. um, and that's the clip I provided. I think that was like the pinnacle of like, you know, just what a career. Now, I, for those of you who who listen on a regular basis, you know that Dan and I uh, live not very far from each other, and Dan is kind enough to give me a ride uh, every morning. He picks me up at midnight at my apartment. And on this particular Tuesday morning on June 23rd, he texts me when he's out in front of my apartment. He'll text me and he'll say, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in front of your apartment. Come on down. And I usually say, I'll be right out. That morning, Dan, I texted back to you, give me a few minutes. Um, and uh, uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't put my pants on. Um, I couldn't. I, was, I could barely stand up. I could barely walk. It took me. A long time to get down the stairs from my apartment. When I crossed the street to get into the car, I had to balance myself on the car in order to get into the car. And at that point, when I got into the car and I closed the door, uh, Dan looked at me and he said, I'm taking you to the hospital. He's been here for, what, 25 years, started on probably a kid like me, you know, calling up on the radio, you yeah. know, hamming it up with Roy and um he worked a, a career under it, and it's just it would be so cool to like say that like down the road, like you know, I was just like this young kid, you know, l- love making movies, and then I get to do it for the rest of my yeah. life, you know. Like, uh, shout out to Nick; he's just um, an inspiration, and um, and Magnolia is definitely my favorite movie. So, there you go. <laughs> Magnolia fans, shout out! It wasn't even Nick who I didn't even wasn't even listening maybe to Nick when he when he said that, but yeah. later on I found out that is also his favorite movie. Um, oh, twins! Have you met him? Um, I've been to his film club. Okay. And uh, just briefly, hi, I don't, he wouldn't recognize me, but, um, I'm close with the, the two film critics that are on a show 
cool. Shout out to Eric and Colin. But um, you know, maybe he can. Maybe down the road, he'd be able to see the movie. He'll, yeah. I'm sure he'll enjoy it. Oh, of I'm the, sure. Uh, the Italian we got, connection. We gotta tell him about it. The Paisans got. I'll send him a link to together. this podcast. But, and um, yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. So WGN and uh, then my band. You know, about ten years ago, we got to play. We we did a. Uh, this is a quick story, but. We played, um, uh, the band was called Manic Sewing Circle, and we were a Scott punk band. I played the drums originally, and then I played the trombone. And oh, wow. we um, we called in, uh, you know, this is going back, calling in, you know, you never know. You call in on the radio. Dean Richards uh, was asking people for bear songs, because the bears were going to the Super Bowl. And we were just about to go to the Super Bowl. And we called in. We were rehearsed the song really quickly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Bear Down Chicago Bears, our punk rock version. Oh, yeah. And we played it. My mom held up the phone. And oh we played God, it over the air. so cute. And I just listened to the tape again. We recorded it. And it sounds really good. I don't know how it sounded so good over wow. the phone. Wow. But he's like, yeah, man, let's start the mosh pit. He's talking to Roger Baddish or one of the guys. Yeah. You know? He's like, hey, come on, we got a mosh pit. We got to get these guys on the show. And, <laughs> and uh, they loved it. And they had us in here um, on the seventh floor. Right after that, we got to play not only here live on the air for one of his Sunday shows, then we got to play over at um, at the studio of uh, you know in uh, at the TV studio. That's so cool. And uh, wow. And then a year later, the Cubs um, were in the playoff run, yeah. and then they called us to do, "Can you do Go Cubs Go?" or "Can you do Take Me Out to the Ball Game?" One of the two, and they're like, "All right, well, we'll do Co- Go Cubs Go." Yeah, and uh, that's like our number one selling song on iTunes. Really? It's a cover of Go, a punk rock cover oh of God. Go Cubs Go. Oh, I have to find that. Circle. Shout out to Dean, who was just immediately, you know, just kind of took us under his wing That's and great. put us on all the shows. He's got to see uh, the movie. He's got to see the movie. Yeah, I yeah. know. We we sent it to him. We're okay, waiting good. here back. I know he's a busy man. Yep. But um, his producers over there. So oh, we'll, yeah. we'll have a, a little word. Um, that's awesome. So shout out to Dean and Nick, um, two guys who've really, you know, who've um, been inspirations yeah. and. Um, and really, um, you know, their their shows have just been so great over these years. I Long love careers. That. It's really, really awesome. In this industry, in this radio industry, yeah, I mean, I know. Totally. <laughs> I'm sure you got stories. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about really quick WGN Chicago. The Chicago, yeah. the way you talk about Chicago in the movie is really special to me because I'm from here too. Um, Lagrange, yeah, shout out to Lagrange. LG. Um, <laughs> Hey, mom and dad. I don't think I've ever really spent time in Lagrange, That's even a, though it's like a fifteen minutes from. Elmhurst. Yeah, isn't that funny? How each suburb's kind of like their own. I can't thing. tell you any really anything in Lagrange. I, There's I feel Lagrange bad. movie theater. You should try to show your movie there. I'm sure they'd do it. There used to be a YMCA there where I used to yep. go to a skate park. Yep. That is that's okay. Gone. That is but yeah, it's gone. It, okay. Yeah. That is my only connection. There you go. Again, back to my punk rock skater <laughs> phase. Oh, yeah. Vans, shoes. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We would go there all the time. That's totally. my only connection. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love the opening. Just the op- opening montage. All of the different. You know, you have like Aragon Ballroom. You've got Metro. You've got all these different music venues that you kind of show, um, and it reminded me a lot of. A Woody Allen 
you know, like Midnight in Paris, he starts out with this whole really long montage that keeps going with these beautiful scenic shots of Paris. But it's funny because in so in my country, it's like all Chicago first. What? eight minutes to the movie yeah yeah and then it's no more chicago yeah yeah so what what's that is that like your life would you say um yeah i i again the movie is italy getting to italy and that's our selling point right the car the people Mm -hmm. the food but i always wanted to tie in a chicago connection this is where i'm from and i you know you see chicago people go to you know Love Wrigley Field, love the Cubs, but it's Wrigley Field, it's the Mag Mile. Right. It's that like beautiful park, that spot in Lincoln Park where it's like you see the skyscrapers. Yeah. Everybody loves that shot. But I wanted to show a little bit more like the metro I yeah. show. Uh, the music box, the, mm-hmm. the beautiful historic music box. Um, and then we got to shoot the first team in the movie in one of our Paisan's restaurants. Awesome. Called Lucia's, which I'd recommend everybody go. Yes. It's my favorite restaurant. It's a restaurant. good advertisement for them right at the beginning there. My favorite Italian restaurant in the city, even though I know Dominic and Lucia. But uh, they are in uh, Bucktown on cool. uh, North Avenue. Super, super nice. Just they wanted to immediately lend a hand. I said, I want to just do this movie here. I've been coming here since I was a kid. Yeah. Will you let me shoot the first scene? So, yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah, you pay for the pasta and okay, Giancarlo, <laughs> bye <laughs> So they made you pay for yeah. the meal. <laughs> I oh, fair no, but, uh, did you fill it with extras or did you have everyone in there? We filled it, yeah, again, uh, my parents were there and Good. my brother. Love and it. Uh, we did have a few extras that I didn't know, so we had yeah. a few people in there. But um, that first scene, we wanted to first establish this relationship uh, between the two, the my girlfriend in the movie, played by the great Chicago actress Demi Zino, mm-hmm. up-and-coming actress. And we, again, wanted to show Chicago. Um, we, we shot it in my uncle's um, house in his neighborhood, which is called Schwarz Village. Mm-hmm. I just learned this recently. It's, called, it's, it's uh, <laughs> right under the flight path to O'Hare Airport. Oh, so yeah. We, I thought it was. We I, always I had to wait for planes. So oh my God. at Lawrence and Cumberland. Classic. And um, again, that was an easy sell. You know, hey, Uncle Bob, can we go shoot a movie? Oh, yeah, no problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and then he invested in the movie and wow. the movie should be, be, be called My Country Thank You Uncle Bob right. because uh, he is you know our producer on the film and, wow. and without him the movie would have never been made um, I forgot to thank him on the uh, the Cochran show last yeah. week but um, yeah uh, shot it at his, at his house um, with a small crew and um, we needed that Chicago connection just because we're going to later on in the movie talk about how you know beautiful the city is, even though it gets a bad rap now these days. But um, you needed that connection in the beginning. And then with the iPad, Skyping with the girlfriend, mm-hmm. wanted to kind of always have a little bit yeah. of that, you know, popping up throughout the movie. Totally. Really, really cool. Thank you so much for joining yeah, me. Um, yeah. I guess let's just have one last final sell, final one plug. last push. Was Tell I better me. than Amy Guth? That's a hard one to follow. <laughs> oh man! Oh shit! No, I don't think I don't think you're gonna top that interview. I think for as long as you, you do this, very different and equally <laughs> quality interviews. Um, man, she is inspiring. Yeah, she is. What isn't she doing? That's, I know. Uh, I know. It's amazing. This is a great crew you guys got here. I love. I love this radio station. Yeah, it's a good one. And I hope it goes on for another hundred years. Yes. And you're gonna be running it apparently because <laughs> Rick Kogan. Rick Kogan. <laughs> After hours on Rick. <laughs> yeah. <and> Rick Kogan. <laughs> um, Awesome. Okay, so you the film comes out on the twenty. Okay, yes, my country. Yes, Um, we are having our sold out premiere at the Rosemont on June twenty first, and we've booked the screening immediately the week after Monday the twenty sixth in Elmhurst, which everybody's invited to. Cool. That's our only Chicago land screening right now. Tickets are still available. Very limited. We're selling fast. 
And then we're going to be in um, in L.A. on July 13th, which mm-hmm. we're excited about, and at the Los Files Theater. And then I'm going to Italy to show it uh, for all the paisans uh, in the town. Wow. So we'll be in Italy in July and August. And then the sky's the limit. We're really trying to go all the way with it. Um, the goal is to sell the movie, get it up online on Netflix and cool. iTunes. And uh, who knows? Hopefully down the road and be able to make another one. Yeah, And definitely. come back and do this. So. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. And um, it's so cool to see, you know, a hometown boy doing these big things. And abroad, too. I think it's just awesome to have that global perspective in there. Um Beautiful, beautiful film. Giancarlo, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Don't you know America is così grande? There's a bel centro dell'America where Chicago is. Senti, Franci, you don't make Chicago different. It's the neighborhoods. Over 70 neighborhoods, each one more diverse than the other. People there are nice. They, They ask how you're doing, how your day's going, they stop you on the street. And they love to go out, huh? They love to have a good time. Because in Chicago, one street could be completely different from the other, huh? Mexican, Chinese, Polish, and Italian, of course, real Italian. With the arthritic nun on the back, rolling the gnocchis and slicing the brajole. Uh, brajole, plurale, brajole, più di uno. Eh? This is Lisa FM.